Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Vib. And I'm Sean, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Now, before we move on, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated Tinfoil Award. As a reminder, this is an award that we give out at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous point in last week's episode. I'm in and trouble I'm, here. You are. Um, one of the clearest tinfoils I think I, I've ever really come across. I disagree. I, well, I, I completely understand why I'm getting it, but I'm going to maintain that I'm right about this. No. Heath Ledger's Joker is not overrated. I'm sorry. It you is. cannot say that. It is. I can. I am. <sighs> it is entirely possible for a performance to be both good and overrated. It is entirely possible, but in this case, he is not overrated. It's, it's, it's... You're just speaking ill of the dead. That's literally all you're doing. I'm not speaking ill of the dead. It's, <laughs> it's a good performance. It's probably Heath Ledger's best performance, although I direct people to 10 Things I Hate About You. But, uh, a Knight's Tale? He's also good in A Knight's Tale, but there are so many other people being excellent in A Knight's Tale, it's quite hard to leave it just at his doorstep. True. But it, he's he's good. He's good in The Dark Knight. I'm not saying he's not. I will never say that it's not a good performance. It's not genre-defining. It's not the best thing on cinema. It's none of these things. And these are all things that people say when they talk about Ledger's Joker. And it's just hyperbole because he's no longer with us. Yeah, yeah. You know what? In that case, wear your tinfoil hat with pride. And maybe in a future tinfoil off, you can put this one on. Uh, Although, speaking of tinfoil offs, it was an episode that seemed to be fairly unpopular. Um, So... If you think it was a bad idea for us to have done such a self-indulgent episode, do let us know. It was wildly (laughs) self-indulgent. I mean, isn't this whole podcast wildly self-indulgent? That's true. I think all podcasting is inherently self-indulgent. The hubris of thinking that you have opinions that someone else might care about is is slightly wild, but never mind. Uh, Indeed. Um, Do we have any other feedback to discuss? Um... (sighs) Do we have any other feedback? The Marvel episode got a fair bit of chat uh, on Discord. Um, I'm apparently a bad person for not liking Ant-Man. I was accused of not having seen Ant-Man. Uh, yeah, which, that was very good. Which was quite strong. I have seen Ant-Man. I just don't like it. It's just as simple as that. What people like is subjective. Except in the case of Ant-Man, where I'm objectively correct. But, yeah, no, it was, it was quite interesting. Lots of people seem to agree that the early Marvel films are generically better than the later ones, um, which I think is a fair point. It's sort of lined up with what we were saying. Um, But I think it's interesting that there doesn't appear to be, with the possible exception of Iron Man, just an agreed-upon best film. Um, Yeah. Even Iron Man doesn't really get there, I think. It's sort of, like you said, I think, in your list it almost occupies a special category all its own it it, it does i mean and i i guess it it never needed to be the best film if, if that makes sense it just needed to do what it did very well and, and it just needed to be good enough exactly i mean I, I do think it's a great film so i mean they, they sort of overshot the mark almost but <laughs> um you know it's one of those things no no it turns out people really like talking about marvel uh universe and it is really fascinating to see just how different opinions are on you know which films people like more than others although we have yet to find anyone who likes Thor 2 even Justine who sent me a very long message of feedback about many different episodes she even said and I quote okay maybe Thor 2 is a bit on the meh side (laughs) I think that's doing it way too much praise but one thing, I, one idea, one idea I did have, and I'd be curious to hear from people whether this is something they'd be interested in, is sort of ad hoc, almost bonus content episodes, where if we've both successfully sat down and watched a Marvel film, we try and do them sort of in order, but we can skip ones we don't want to. We just talk about it for half an hour, forty minutes, or something like that. See, see if 
I don't know if people would be interested in that, but let us know. Yes, absolutely. Please let us know. Let us know anything and everything. Yes, always, always do. Um, but no, I thought I thought that might be something because obviously there's so much Marvel um, that there is definitely scope to do, as I say, ad hoc, um, out of sync episodes where we just chat about films that we're watching and trying to do the Marvel Cinematic Universe vaguely in order sort of feels like a good place to start. Well, Expertise is overrated, watches the Marvel films and gives bad commentary. Yeah, either bad, either bad commentary or bad sort of out-of-date reviews. <laughs> you know what? I'd be really up for doing that, actually. Uh, I do love watching um, all those films. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think it'd, be good, of the series. it'd be a good laugh. We could do it with other things as well. We could do The Lord of the Rings. We could do Star Wars. We could do Harry Potter, although I'm not sure I can sit through all eight Harry Potter films anymore. Yeah, and I'm not sure we can sit through the Last Jedi together without killing each well, other. Well, I, I think we had we'd have to not watch them together. I think this would be the important thing. <laughs> we'd watch them separately and then discuss them, like after the fact. Yeah, for the, for the sake of world peace. For the sake of world peace, exactly. Um, uh, no, anyway. I think that's a fantastic idea, but but do let us know. Um, yes, we're not gonna, we're not going to do it if no one would be interested in listening to it. So let us know. Well, we might still do. It. I mean, we we'll do this. <laughs> he, if no he one's says, really interested in this either. So <laughs> recording the podcast that no one listens to. Anyway, um, no, you 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 inadvertently, I'm sure, came up with a really good segue uh, by mentioning Star Wars, um, because this is supposed to be our fourth uh, patented hot take episode. Uh, now, usually, rather than our usual brand of rating stuff we know nothing about, one of us will present an unusual or unpopular way of looking at a well-known fictional situation. The other will attempt to sit quietly and let them explain their reasoning before inevitably losing their cool and the episode descending into petty name-calling. Now, as the sensible host, and that's just not that's not just me saying that, this is now public opinion, uh, who's essentially never wrong. Is this the hot take? No. This, that's just that's that's just a take, you know. That's just fact. <laughs> Although that could be a great hot take. Sean is the better host. Um, <laughs> no. Sorry, sorry, I've completely <laughs> you've, you've you off your stride. I tell you already, you can't derail me in the introduction. <laughs> no, as the sensible host, I, I've taken it upon myself to challenge everyone's favorite misconception that the Star Wars films are good. Uh, no, dear listeners, they really, really aren't. However, there's a problem uh, when we were setting up this episode, wasn't there? there? There's a real problem, and the real problem is that I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's unusual that we sort of come up with a hot take concept and we end up both agreeing. <laughs> yeah. So rather than um, yelling at each other in agreement for an hour, which I don't think would be particularly interesting to anyone, even us, We've decided that what we're going to do is we're going to try and dive into what it is about the Star Wars films that makes them bad, not good is perhaps a better phrase. Um, makes all of them not good and some of them actually bad. Um, but also why that just doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we're talking about you know tinfoil being Heath Ledger is overrated. Perhaps overrated is the better word, really, that we're looking for in this scenario. Maybe, but I, I think overrated, when I use it at least, has a very specific meaning. Like, you know, I, I'm going to throw numbers around. People saying that Ledger's Joker is a 10 out of 10 performance, where I consider it to be a 7 out of 10 performance, right? I consider a 10 out of 10 to be overrating that, whereas... With Star Wars, it feels slightly different. I think the problem with Star Wars is that people look back on it with rose-tinted glasses and people are willing to just look past the bits that are bad rather than focus on the bits that are good. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I think so. Um, I think what, what perhaps at the scene is... Uh... You know, if I start us off with with the research I did, sure, yes, I, I do research for 
these episodes. <laughs> um, and I mean, the research is very in depth in that I just read the opening paragraph of Wikipedia, uh, which says. Star Wars is an American epic space opera multimedia franchise created by George Lucas, which began with the eponymous 1977 film and quickly became a worldwide pop culture phenomenon. The franchise has been expanded into various films and other media, including television series, video games, novels, comic books, theme park attractions, and themed areas, comprising an all-encompassing fictional universe. In 2020, its total value was estimated at uh, 70 billion US dollars, and it is currently the fifth highest grossing media franchise of all time. Now, all nine films of the Skywalker saga, which is originally what we're going to do this episode about, yeah. uh, were nominated for Academy Awards. So these are the Oscars, uh, with wins going to the first two releases. So that's New Hope and um, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, together with the theatrical live-action anthology films Rogue One and Solo, the combined box office revenue of the films equated to over $10 billion US dollars which makes it the second highest grossing film franchise of all time. Uh, and I think... Uh, that's behind Marvel. Yeah, one would imagine that's behind Marvel, yeah. I mean, they've made more films, so I guess it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's a, Marvel, that's Marvel has made 25 to 30 films, each of which yeah. has grossed a billion dollars. Whereas Star Wars <laughs> is sat at 11 or, I guess, 12, if we do include the, the awful... Um, animated film uh, yeah. but you know they're still producing or, or you know supposedly star wars films or films set in the star wars universe are in production yes uh or you know development whatever that may mean so so you know it's a very 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 successful series sure uh, and it's a very old series that's still going so it's got legs that's true but and this and this is really the thing that kind of threw me when I was trying to write something for this. It's like, we kind of agree, and I don't really want to sit here and character assassinate the Skywalker saga, because it, it felt wrong as I was writing it. It felt so, wrong, even can, though I was maybe objectively right, as I, I often am. I think at this stage, it's really important to get our excuses in early, on the, on the hope that people haven't switched <laughs> off on hearing the title of your hot take. We both love Star Wars. Any Star yeah. Wars film. I've, I've seen every Star Wars film that I am capable of having seen in the cinema. In the cinema. Um, essentially, the only ones that I didn't see in the cinema were the, were the original trilogy, because although I signed, I wasn't actually born then. Um, I will continue to watch any Star Wars film in the cinema, probably. Uh I love the games, I love the world, I love the TV show. I am unfathomably excited for Ewan McGregor returning as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. But I I think that's part of the problem. Ewan McGregor returning as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Didn't we say in our original ranking of the Star Wars films episode that the best Star Wars film is actually The Mandalorian. <laughs> I think I think we did briefly uh, touch on that. I mean, it's a copper because it's obviously not a film. It's a copper, but... but... Yeah. yeah. And, and I think you've really stumbled onto something there. Stop. I was aiming directly at something there. <laughs> I don't think I've stumbled on yeah, it. Yeah, well, I can't, I can't give you that much credit. That'd be outrageous. You know, this is expertise is overrated, it's... not Sean is always right. No. I don't know why I wasn't allowed that title for the podcast, but never mind. Is the problem, is the problem just that it's the same people doing the same shit over and over again with different title cards? There's an element of that, perhaps. Um, certainly in the prequels and the sequels I think that's the case no it's not quite right so, so, so to, to break this down there, there's something we're going to discuss a bit later on I suspect but I certainly get the feeling and I don't actually know if this is the, the case I, I strongly suspect it is You know, George Lucas set out to make a space opera film he made one and it was good. People loved yeah. it. And so they were like, you need to make more of these. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, shit. Um, okay. Let me make a trilogy. 
Uh, and so I think he retconned it a little bit. And so he made the original trilogy of Star Wars films surrounding a set of core characters. Yeah. Then for some reason, they decided, ah, you know, one of the major, major compelling characters in the original trilogies is Darth Vader. Yeah. And try as I might, there was absolutely no way I could, I could argue against that. <laughs> Darth Vader is an incredible character. Well, I think I can argue against that, at least in A New Hope. Uh, yeah, go on. He's not a character in A New Hope. He's a bulldog on a leash. Yeah, but he, but even then, you know, because we start he's, off he's, with him there and his, his presence is instantly so he's menacing. He's interesting in the sense that... So you've got that scene right at the start of A New Hope where all of the moths, I assume, are around that council table and Tarkin, Peter Cushing walks in and sort of talks about how the Emperor has dissolved the Senate and Vader is there and they all sort of make fun of him a bit like, you know, your sad, was what's the, what's the phrase your sad adherence to that ancient religion yeah. has, is, is laughable or something, that's not the exact quote and you just get the sense that he's this crazy old bloke in the corner who might have a bit of magic but He's just, Leia says it later in A New Hope. I wondered who was holding Vader's leash. He's just a mad dog in A New Hope. Well, it's especially weird in New Hope because Tarkin, you know, as Vader is strangling that insolent dog. Yes. Uh, tells him to stop. Yes. And uh, I think it's fair to say at the end of all nine films, plus all the other films and all the other media made of Star Wars, that... That wouldn't fly. I mean, Darth Vader is a Sith. He couldn't give two shits what some admiral will have to say to him. But frankly, but, but this, this, this. I think, I think you're right that when when Lucas sat down to write Star Wars, as it was then called, yeah, he was making one film, essentially updating Flash Gordon. That's kind of what Star Wars is. It's a cross between sort of Kurosawa and Flash Gordon. Kurosawa and Flash Gordon. Wow, I don't think I mean Kurosawa. Um, <laughs> I was going to try and unpack that, but it's 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 the the plot of. I don't think it's a hit Kurosawa film, but it is a Japanese cinema film. And I was just naming the only Japanese filmmaker I could remember. But it's the Hidden Fortress. Is the plot of a New Hope. Uh, but it's set in the world of Flash Gordon, basically. Hmm. Um, no, and, and, and that is what A New Hope is, because it, <laughs> it's a fairly linear story. Um, it, it does amazing things for cinema, uh, in terms of you know all the effects back then, and, and you know whatever. But it, it's a fairly simple story, you know. Yeah. Um, big doomsday device. But it's, it's, the, it's also the quintessential hero's journey for Luke, right? For Luke, sorry. Um, wow, the he, Scottish really came out there. Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Apologies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Look, um, but it, it is the quintessential hero's journey for Luke. Um, he, he he meets the mentor. He receives the call to adventure. He goes on an adventure. He suffers the death of his mentor. He embraces his mentor's teachings in order to win the day and then is fundamentally changed by his journey. That is the hero's journey, right? So it doesn't do anything novel or interesting with storytelling tropes or anything like that. No, not at all. It's well made. It's like, it's well put, put together. God, I can't speak today. Um, it's well put together, but it's not... It, it's revolution, it revolutionizes filmmaking in a very, very specific way, which shows which is that it shows that it's possible to make a space opera and have it be good and popular amongst more than just your regular sort of slightly weird crowd. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but, but it creates problems, in my opinion. I think because... Now, it's hard to obviously say this back in the 70s because I equally wasn't around. But, but given... Darth Vader's sort of icon status, yeah, uh, in the franchise and outside of it. 
I think the creation of that character is the the reason, the direct sort of um, drive towards having the prequels. Because they, they were essentially realized, we're sitting on a cash cow here. People will want to know where Darth Vader came from. And that's why they made you know episodes one through three. It's all about Anakin's journey uh, well, becoming Darth Vader. And frankly, we didn't care because I, I don't think Anakin Skywalker's story was that compelling in the in the prequels. Uh, I don't disagree with you. I think that's a failure of the prequels rather than a failure of the potential of the story, though, because I think Anakin's, oh, Anakin's fall could have been compelling. I think if you want to make a prequel trilogy, how... Obi-Wan's best friend and former pupil becomes the Emperor's lapdog is an interesting story, especially given his relevance to the core character of the original trilogy, right? So how does Luke Skywalker's father go from the best starfighter pilot in the galaxy and Obi-Wan's best friend to Darth Vader? That's it. That's it. I don't. I don't begrudge them trying to make that film or that series of films. They just pulled uh, it off badly. They, they pulled it off badly, but but to the extent where you don't actually find out how he turns into Darth Vader, <laughs> um, ultimately, because his fall, mm. his actual fall, happens so fast. Like he yes. goes from someone who's conflicted to five minutes later killing younglings. Yes. Uh, to like you know another five minutes later almost uh hating the woman he loved the entire reason he was falling in the first place uh fought his mentor and you know lost his legs and then became darth vader it's like you know you've, you've not done the whole thing justice here <laughs> no no i i agree um I, I i just completely agree um but it does happen listeners yeah <laughs> Rarely, rarely perhaps, but it does happen. But I think the fact that the prequels struggle to tell the story of Darth Vader in the way that we would want it want them to doesn't make the original trilogy bad. No, it, it doesn't make the original trilogy bad. What? So, so a point that you actually made, and one of the reasons we figured out that we perhaps are more in agreement than we originally thought. Um, is again, you know, the original film was called Star Wars, yep. and the original film had a baddie in it, right? Yes, it had Grand Moff Tarkin in it, not Darth Vader, mind you, because as as you rightly pointed out, he, Vader's this like weird, striking, interesting presence, but he's the attack dog. He's not. He's not the. He's not the a character. Bad. Yeah, he's not the big Crucially. bad in New Hope. No, he's not the the the, the villain of a New Hope is. Grand Moff Tarkin or Governor Tarkin, whatever the fuck he is, um, and he, it, it, it's great, right? You've got Peter Cushing um, being an excellent, just evil psychopath, but completely under control um, the whole way yeah, through the film. Just, outstanding. just an outstanding performance from a man who refused to be fully dressed from the waist down. And now, interestingly enough, um, I, I was looking at uh, some of the awards. Uh, that the Star Wars films had been nominated for and I did see that there was a Best Supporting Actor and I genuinely didn't know who the Best Supporting Actor nomination could have gone for uh, could have gone to in Star Wars because I thought Peter Cushing was definitely in with a shout Alec uh, Guinness? It turns out it's Alec Guinness yeah I mean and, and fair play <laughs> it's, the, it's the only other person it could have <laughs> possibly been the, the only other actor at that stage of sufficient calibre to be nominated for an Academy Award um Alec Guinness famously just doesn't like or didn't like Star Wars. It's really funny. He just didn't yeah, but care. I, but I, yeah, but I don't think he objected to it from a, from a particularly sort of academic standpoint. No, he, it was just a paycheck. Exactly. He's like, you know, this is space opera. I couldn't really care less. Yeah. The, he, he famously was giving an interview about it and I was giving an interview about his career and his only comment on Star Wars was to look around and say, Star Wars paid for this house. Yeah, exactly. That was it. Um, um, there's a message said, the, the, in that, though. I think. Yes, I, I think so. I mean, they, they were popular films, right? And that's that's I think the whole point behind them. But 
But, but, is the problem with the original trilogy, to go back to what we were just talking about, that because Star Wars was not intended to be the first part of a trilogy, they have to spend too much time in Empire and Return of the Jedi building up both Sheev Palpatine and Darth Vader to be sufficient villains. Um, <sighs> Vader less... I, I think... The Emperor, yes. Because he kind of comes out of nowhere. He comes out of nowhere. And, and he's, he's the sort of... They set him up as the overarching big bad, you know, the, the big evil in the background. But then I think they wanted to turn it into this whole, oh, we can redeem Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And so we actually still need a baddie <laughs> to be on screen. Yeah. And that's when the Emperor was, was genuinely made. But uh, Does it work? I don't know. They're not... They're not that villainous, uh, to be to be frank with you. There's all that is also a problem. They're they're, they're villainy. Well, their villainy what, what isn't is, their villainy isn't grounded. Tarkin's villainy is really grounded, and despite the fact that he commits genocide on a scale that is basically unimaginable, it's sort of, his reasoning is understandable. He is he basically says it, you know. The whole point of having the Death Star is it's a weapon of coercive control, right? You show that you have the power to destroy a rebellious planet, and then planets won't rebel. So he's yes. his his rationale makes sense. I don't agree with it, but it does I mean, make sense. Even even I would struggle to agree with with that being the the show. I mean, you, you could just blow up an uninhabited moon, you know? Yeah, <laughs> he didn't have to blow up fucking Alderaan. But he he, he makes he makes the point that. They, he can't just go and blow up Dantooine because it's too remote and no one would care. He's got to blow up some something that people care about. Um, I, again, yeah. Mon- monstrous, monstrous individual, but it's sort of you. You understand his motivations. At no point do you understand the Emperor or indeed Darth Vader's motivations beyond some sort of "I want to be the man on the top of the pile." Yeah. But then the Emperor is nuts, right? Because in Jedi, in Return of the Jedi, he says to Luke, you know, kill me. Do what you were do do what you were born to do. Kill me and become a new Sith. But but that you then go to the prequels. And and Palpatine, the Emperor, isn't about making the Sith strong. He's about making himself strong. So there's a huge. It just it just doesn't make sense. There's, there yeah, aren't... and and it's something that the sequels also get really wrong. Uh, the, the the Sith are not some sort of bizarre collective. You know, they're no. Their whole point is that they're about themselves, and that's why they have one apprentice. Because because they just fancy themselves as being the biggest bad you know baddest guys in town. Not that they're part of this evil mega structure that wants to control the galaxy. That just doesn't fly. So, so no, they get the their own writing wrong across the whole the whole bloody franchise. The, the individuals want to be in control. They don't. It, they almost see being a Sith as a means to an end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but it's it's just completely incoherent. And I I, I don't actually know. I don't think the Sith ever referred to themselves as Sith. Did they? It's not like that's like some sort of badge of honor they wear. Uh, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure if they you call, go- they call themselves Darth, I guess. But I think if you go back to sort of the old Republic, they do. Yeah, but but in sure. the old Republic, I think the the sort of the rule of two is is doesn't exist. The rule the the yeah. the rule of two comes in following the old Republic. I think yeah. it's like essentially the fall of the old Republic or something. Then the Sith go into hiding, and then. Darth Bane institutes the rule of two, basically. Yeah, because I mean, at that point, there was such gigantic warfare between "quote unquote" evil and "quote unquote" good, and the Republic and the Sith. But I think, I think, I think the right way around. 
I think Bane also institutes the rule of two to stop Sith infighting. I think. But he, but even during the course of the Skywalker saga, if we take the the extended media, there are there are more than two Sith running around virtually all the time. Yeah. Because they've all got secret apprentices. Well, exactly. (laughs) Basically. I think at at one point you essentially have... uh, Well, yeah, you have Sidious, Dooku, uh, Ventress, I think she's called, and Maul all running around. And Maul has his brother as an apprentice as well. Yes, Savage. Savage Opress. Yeah, that's that's Maul's brother, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and so Ventress got, like, probably has a, has an apprentice. Almost certainly, yeah. So, so, so that rule has the... never made any sense because they're fundamentally selfish. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then you get to the the Empire, and you've got Sidious and Vader, but then you've got Vader's secret apprentice, Star Killer from the Force Unleashed. Oh yeah, Force Unleashed, and you've got the Inquisitors who are just Sith, but Vader doesn't call them Sith to get around. The fact that he's not allowed to have an apprentice, so he just trains up a load of inquisitors in the Sith arts, and then yeah. it's like, yeah, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. But it... we're just talking about Star Wars now. But I think no, no, I, but, but, I think but there the is point... something important here, which is that I'm sorry, you were about to say something. No, because because coming back to the point is that once Tarkin is dead, right, the end of New Hope, and let's not forget that New Hope ends on a massive celebration. Yay, the good guys it won. Has... It has. It, it, it ends. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has that scene, the celebration scene. Yeah. Film where they all over. get medals. Film let's, is over. Let's go home. Story um, done. Yeah. They all lived happily ever after. That's that scene. That scene yeah. is they all lived happily ever after. For sure. And then they come back and they make a new, an, another film. Um, arguably the best film. Um, but, but, but and they bring back Vader Empire because Vader is so compelling sense. on screen. He's got screen presence, and, and yes. I don't disagree with that. He has massive screen presence. Oodle, oodles of charisma for a guy who essentially just breathes. <laughs> that's um, that's all James Earl Jones's voice. It's all James Earl Jones's uh, uh, voice. But but I think what they realize is like, okay, what we actually want to do here is turn Vader good again, have the good guys win. Um, but that's not very satisfying because then there's no there's no baddie who can die. You know? Yes, <laughs> we need to defeat a villain in order for, yeah, in order to win. Yeah. So, so they were like, okay, let's let's just conjure up this emperor. Let's let's flesh out this character. Um, but I think what they fail to do is actually make the emperor do anything particularly evil. Or am I just forgetting something? Like, what does he actually do that's bad? He lays the trap in Return of the Jedi that causes the rebel fleet to turn up thinking that the new death star isn't operational when it is no sure but that's but that's that evil you know putting my tactical. Hat on. exactly like this is i suppose this is the head of a government a, a, in a galactic government you know uh quashing a rebellion you know from yeah. from an outsider's perspective you might say well of course he's going to do that he's going to want to destroy his rebels rebels are never a good thing um there, there, there is a lot of tell don't show goes on. the The empire is evil because we're told the empire is evil. I think we're told it actually in the opening scroll. Yeah, I think you're right. And the this, this is actually something I, I did. I did prepare a whole section on this when I was when I was trying to write my slightly more facetious script. You know, something, something the empire was evil, like. As, as you say, we are told this. There is actually very little evidence for this because the only thing we see them do that we can object that we might say, "Oh, that's that's a bit bad," is they're fighting our supposed heroes. But but those guys are insurgents. They're rebels. They're um, out to also kill people. You know, um, based the, on the that, Empire, there's, there's no way to objectively say one's good, one's bad, right? The Empire kills Uncle Ben and Aunt Brew. For no reason at all. Uh, yes. Which is yeah, I mean that's but soldiers. That, that's but it's not the at emperor. At least an act of extrajudicial violence. Of course, yeah. Um, but that's not directly the emperor, right? So I mean, he can't micromanage everything, I suppose. The emperor puts Tarkin in charge, 
yes. of the Death Star, which then gets used against Alderaan. So the Empire is... The Emperor is, you know, at least vicariously responsible for genocide. But you could also say that that's Tarkin, and Tarkin's orders were to bring down the rebellion, and he just went off. I want. I mean, I don't think that that's true. But that is feasibly an argument one could make. That's yeah. cer- certainly an argument one could hide behind. <laughs> weird, it's weird that you're the one saying it, not me. <laughs> but no, no, I'm just, I'm just looking at it from a what, what evil things does Chief Palpatine do? And personally. He electrocutes Luke. He electrocutes Luke as Luke is trying to kill him. It's an act of self-defense. Well, yes, exactly. In the, in the original trilogy. Um, I, I genuinely can't think of any scene where the Emperor does something. Well, he's, only go, well, he's, Return, evil. he's only in Return of the Jedi. Um, isn't there a scene with him walking around an Empire? It's a hologram scene. Hologram scene, yeah, yeah. It's a hologram right. scene with Vader. Yeah, but I, I think all he does in that is essentially hunt them down, wipe them out. Again, talking about the rebellion. Yeah, again, just doing his job as the head of state, essentially. So they go from having such a great villain in Tarkin to essentially not yeah. having any that are genuinely compelling. I mean, they, they try to obviously make him compelling by making him look very overtly evil and oh this guy is weird oh, he's got electric, he, like you know shocks coming out of his hands but that's almost a caricature of, of evil right because they, they they couldn't come up with someone who was as compelling as, as Tarkin was no and then, and then to top it off you know when it comes to the prequels they're like well we already set up the emperor as the the bad guy so we'll just have him again which is a little lazy. I mean, you have you have the separatist war and Dooku, but uh, Dooku never came across to me as again like overly villainous. Really, he was just the enemy. Um, Dooku's and in the sequels, as as we know, is Dooku's a political animal. Yeah, yeah. Just so, also, so after Tarkin, they just lock themselves into Sith. the Emperor being the evil bad guy, and it's just not that convincing. <laughs> Ultimately. <laughs> In a he universe ki- where you have the Sith who are convincingly evil. <laughs> he kills Windu. The, the, the point with the Emperor, or the point with the Emperor in the prequels, is he orchestrates a galactic civil war. That's all him. Right, he's, pulling yes. the, he's pulling the strings of the Trade Federation while also pulling the strings of the Senate. That's evil. Purely with the, the 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 target of getting himself in control. That isn't that is an act of evil. Yeah, that that argument was seriously going to undermine my whole the Republic was evil, not the Empire um, thing. But that that's true. They they really make it. They, they do it in a really ham-fisted way. That's any, <laughs> anything that relies on but the prequels is going to have to deal with the prequels' shoddy writing. <laughs> yeah, it's just so convoluted and and lacking at the same time somehow. Um, yeah, I get really grumpy talking about the the prequels because there's the potential for two really good stories there, and they tell neither of them. <laughs> yeah, and and just just to sort of go back, then I you know I'm not necessarily saying that every single film needs to have an evil, a nemesis. Uh, but you do if the point of your film is good versus evil. Exactly. And and this is something I just cannot <laughs> get get around with this in in the series as much as I want to to forgive sins that may or may not be there. I I I just can't wrap my head around the supposed good versus evil. But again, in a new hope it's so clear. Yes, because the guy blows up a planet. <laughs> yeah, the guy blows up a planet, which we're told is a peaceful planet. They have no weapons or means of defending themselves. That's so easy, and it happens on screen, and he does it all because he can. Yeah. So... And, and, what's, and what's criminal is they rehash that exact storyline for Force Awakens. Well, I was, I was about to say, is part of the problem that Empire 
and Jedi have, and by extension, every other film, they just go way too big, way too early (laughs) in A New Hope, and they blow up a planet, you know, 40 minutes into... No, but I think it's fine if you do that. If if you if you genuinely then keep the character who who's responsible for it, you know, or, or you don't have to do that. The other way you could do it is you could make your other villains personally cruel. Right, Tarkin's cruelty is a very abstract cruelty. Right, it's all um, greater good cruelty, essential, essentially. You could make the Emperor a sort of very particular, very personal, personally cruel person, but they don't. They just tell us he's evil. Yeah, yeah, and then make it even worse by in the prequels kind of showing a humanity to him. You know, the way he yeah. persuades Anakin. No, I'm not saying that he... He is that guy, but he persuades him by saying, "Oh, you know, you're in love. Um, bad things will happen, and we can, you know, can teach you a way of preventing that." It, in isolation, that's not, you know, are, that's not instantly something. Someone who's like, "Oh, yeah, this guy is evil." <laughs> but are they trying in the prequels? Are they trying to show that Palpatine is essentially grooming Anakin? Oh, I, I think they are. The, but... Yeah, there's a really uncomfortable lens through which you can view that weird space opera um, scene. But it's. But ultimately, what happens then is that his hand is for because you know, fine, yeah, he orchestrates a war. Lots of people die. That's a terrible thing to do. But but he does it with a greater vision of perhaps a more stable form of life in the galaxy, and his hand is forced ultimately, and and you know. Jedi come to apprehend him, and of course, yeah, he's going to fight them. You know, I, I don't necessarily blame him for that. So they they don't really go all in with the this guy is evil, or as you say, this guy is personally cruel. Mm. Like, there's no torture scenes. There's no, none of that sort that's of weird what, stuff. That's what I'm thinking <laughs> about. So thinking about another media set in space that does successfully have a villain who is set up in one scene, Firefly. Adelaide Niska. Right? You've got... He's the guy who hires them for the train job. Mm-hmm. The, they have their conversation. Ma, Mal Reynolds has his conversation with Adelaide Niska, and it's all like... There's a, like an undercurrent of tension because it's, the scene is well acted, but... This is apparently this scary dude, but we don't know anything about him. And then a door opens at the end of the proceedings, and there's just a guy hanging there being flayed. And Niska's like doesn't his demeanor doesn't change, and he just goes over. I think he like cuts the guy's ear off or something while just holding yeah. down a perfectly normal conversation like you and I are having now. And that is a minute of screen time. And all right, it's a bit ham fisted. But it readily establishes this guy as an absolute nut job that you do not want to cross. Yeah. And there's nothing exactly. like that. I'm not suggesting that Ian McDermott should have, you know, been flaying people on the Senate floor or anything like that. But there's. The pro- and it, this comes back to the prequels are trying to say something interesting about political theory and democracy and all of that. But. These are kids' films, mate. Just, just like, give us a villain we can hate. These are, uh, but and, but that's the thing because in in the same breath, essentially, in all these films, are like there is a light side of the force and there is a dark side of the force. One is supposedly obviously better than the other, and it's like, yeah, okay, but 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 if you're going to set it up that way, you you need to really emphasize that the the people who align with those things better. And it's just not, it's just not well done for a film that is, as you say, about good versus evil. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't quite work. And it's even worse in the sequels, right? Because they, as I said, they rehash a new hope. They have, um, uh, what's his name? Donald Gleason. 
you know, take the shot that wipes out not one planet but multiple planets. Yeah. And then two films later, all of a sudden he's turned and he's a, he's a what a good guy. Oh. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> That's like uh, talking at the end of a New Hope, going, ah, oh, you know what, guys? I don't actually like Sorry. Vader, and it turns out <laughs> Vader is the new favorite. So I'm actually just going to turn traitor. That Donald Gleason turn. Oh, that reveal in Rise of Skywalker. So, the sequels have a very, very specific problem, I think, that stops them from stops any of them from being good. And that's that they're too self-aware. So Yeah, maybe. Too self-aware is not the right phrase. There are quips in the sequels. There are lines in the sequels that only makes sense if the character stops acting, turns to the screen, or turns to the camera, and get delivers the line for the audience. The lines aren't delivered for anyone on in in the scene. So it's things like when Finn Captain Phasma calls Finn scum, and Finn goes, "Yeah, rebel scum." And then, like, hits her in the face with a stick or something. That doesn't make sense because Phasma, like, no one has ever said "Rebel Scum" on screen. "Rebel Scum" is from the original trilogy, so that's that's <laughs> just for us. Yeah. Um, it happens. It happens in um, Force Awakens as well. Uh, what's his name? Han Solo is doing it all over the place. I can't remember specifically, but he's doing it all over the place. And the, and Donald Gleason's reveal as the spy in Rise of Skywalker is exactly the same. It's done for comedy. Yeah. And it doesn't work if it's if if you make the Nazi comedic relief. And make no mistake, Donald Gleason in Force Awakens is a direct parallel for a Nazi. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, with the final order, they they went even more, like even bigger. Yeah, but go, these go, guys are Nazis, you know. Go, go, go back and watch that scene where he's giving the speech on Star Killer Base, and then watch that side by side with the Nuremberg Rally. It's the same fucking thing. Yes, right. It couldn't be more on the nose. But you can't then make your Nazi analog comedic relief to no. two uh, films uh, later. I'm almost sad that they didn't take it one step further and really just break the fourth wall and have him, as he reveals himself to be the spy, just go, hello there. Yes. That, that really would have hit, done it. <laughs> just, just, just if you're going to do it, lean into it. But I don't know. But I think the problem, all of the films have their own specific flaws, right? So Empire is let down by the fact that your villain is dead in A New Hope, so you've got to just create a new villain. Jedi is let down, as you say, by the fact that we don't have a compelling villain and the Emperor appears on screen and we're told he's evil. The prequels are let down by being the prequels and their shitty writing and over-reliance on CGI and all of that and Jake Lloyd being in some of them. Uh, and the sequels are let down because they're just... All of them are poorly written nostalgia. Wank. <laughs> so why are why do we think these films it. are good? Yeah, yeah, it's a really it's a really good question. Because I don't um, care. Like, fundamentally, I, having having just got, spent the last forty five minutes eviscerating these films, I don't care. Okay, so so I guess just to draw a line <laughs> under under all this. So if if you were to take the original trilogy, I think what what that's kind of setting up is that. Yes, evil exists, but evil can be overcome. There's good in everyone, right? That's that's kind yes. of what what that's about. Then the prequels are like good in the process of trying to do good becomes complacent and good can turn into bad. Yeah. And then the sequel trilogy is there's good and bad in all of us. It's a conflict. Um but kind of just make sure that good wins somehow. Yeah. There's there's good and bad in all of us and Hopefully, and if that's the overarching will win. Yeah, and if that's the overarching theme of your of your nine massive films, ah, I'm sorry, that's just it's a little weak. But yes, to come to the fact why are these films why do we enjoy them so much? I think 
it's the characters within them. And this is why, I, for example, like Rogue One and Solo so much, because those are just kind of run-of-the-mill guys, right, that operate yeah. in this crazy universe where there is Sith and there's Jedi and there's all sorts of crazy space wizardry going on. But But they're just kind of normal people who have heroic um, objectives and who have genuine, meaningful journeys and feelings like in Rogue One, or it's just a, you know, space Western romp like in in Solo. And that's great. The characters are fantastic. Give me more of those characters. You know, even from A New Hope onwards, like Han being who he is, like such a weirdo, and, and Leia and Luke, like that's the compelling thing, I think. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. I'm just thinking. Um, the characters in Rogue One and the characters in Solo are heroic because of the choices that they make, yeah. not because of anything intrinsic to them, essentially, other, other than them being the people who will make those choices. They're not space wizards. Yeah, which I think in the in the nine films you sort of thought, well, Leia's kind of like that, but then they turned her into a Jedi. Turned Leia into a space wizard. Yeah, but if you but if you look at a New Hope, those characters are heroic because of the choices that they make. Yes, because Luke, unless we unless we accept, and I'm willing to maybe listen to Lucas on this, but unless we accept that at the time of a New Hope. Lucas knew that Vader was Luke's father. Luke Skywalker is not special. Other than that his father was a Jedi. But we we don't know anything about the Jedi at that point. So Luke Skywalker is the hero of A New Hope because when presented with a situation, he chooses the heroic outcome. Yeah. But then that just gets eroded and eroded and eroded over mm, the course well, of... I, I think there's an argument to be made that even when they turn Luke into a space wizard, he... I mean, the, the end of, of Jedi is still very much that he confronts the Emperor and Darth Vader, and he actually doesn't really... It's not that he wins that because he's a master Jedi, right? He he wins that because he just appeals to Vader's humanity. He appeals to Anakin. Yeah, I suppose that's and, true. And, you know, and that's okay. But but then, yeah, the, the rest of the films are literally just about space wizardry. Although I hate that I'm now using that term. <laughs> I, I I know you don't like it, but it's it's a it's a shorthand because Jedi Jedi and Sith. They're both sort of space wizards. Um, special. They're in, intrinsically special. Um, especially after you invent midi-chlorians. And you make their specialness measurable. Oh, midi-chlorians. But... Why? Why? Just why? <laughs> but I think you're right. I think that at least in the original trilogy, the characters are so compelling um, that you can look you can look past the iffiness of some of the rest of it. I don't know. I worry that I've talked myself into not liking Star Wars now. <laughs> no, watch watch any of the Star Wars films, and you will be entertained, and you will. No, I think yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. And it's it's. It's the thing I just can't get my head around. What what is it? Because I remember sitting in the cinema with with the latest ones and going, "Oh man, that was amazing." Genuinely. Um and perhaps it's an argument that shouldn't necessarily be restricted to Star Wars, but entertainment in general. Like if you overanalyze things, you know, you will you will find holes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Does that really take away from from the product itself from the film, from the book or whatever. I don't know. I, I I don't think that you can overlook the value of that, of how you felt when you left the cinema. Right? If you came out of the cinema and thought, God, I just had a really good time. Great. Well done. 
The film, the film has done what it set out to do. Yeah. It's sort of what we were talking about last week with the Marvel films, right? Like that damning category, classic superhero average. That's that's fine. Classic superhero average, where you come out of the film and go, that was fun. I liked that. Six out of ten. That was a seven out of ten. That was a good, fun two and a half hours. Yeah. Or if it's a Marvel film, four and a half hours. <laughs> that's that's fine. Not every film needs to be high cinema. Cause that would be exhausting. If every film was the shape of water or something like that, cinema would die. Yes. But perhaps then, is is it just a question that Star Wars maybe takes itself a little too seriously? I don't think or, Star Wars... Or that the fans take it too seriously? Yes, that, I think, is the the actual answer there. Recognise what them for what they are, which is fun kids' films. Yeah, I think, and, don't, I think, and don't poke the plot too much or, or holes will form. Yeah, I think like, prequels, like in Harry Potter, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the prequels might take themselves too seriously. Oh, they they one hundred percent do, yeah, because they try to turn themselves and turn themselves into political drama. Yes, for, for no reason, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work because that's not the that's not the story that people go to Star Wars to, to watch. They go they go to hear Tie Fighters flying through space and watch flashy laser battles that don't actually make much sense because if you know you're fighting a guy with a sword that can deflect your laser bullets why wouldn't you shoot him with actual bullets um all of this stuff right but just just tell fun stories and that's why the at least like season one of the mandalorian i thought worked so well because it was entirely disconnected from the skywalker saga and they were just telling a fun story and I think that's that's something that you and I very much do agree on, right? Is is just just leave the Skywalkers alone at this point. Yeah, you know, can we right? just stop? I don't care. You don't. I I think it doesn't need to come back to those guys. As nostalgic as it all is, the universe is so rich and ripe for creating fantastic stories that you you just don't need to fall back on those characters. The the extended universe or whatever the book canon was called before Disney burned it all, stretched back 10,000 years. Just tell another story. Yeah. Pick, pick, make something up. Put it, set it, it's like, like Rogue One did, although Rogue One is too connected for my tastes, but at least other than a cameo from Leia at the end... It's sort of completely disconnected from the rest. Um, yeah, yeah, and the reason for me is I think that sh- sure the force is a sort of elephant in the room, but everyone interacts with it differently. Yeah, right. So, yeah, Jin doesn't really believe in it, but kind of her dad did, so that's fine. And then you've got Cassian, who clearly just doesn't is not going to interact with it at all. You've got a droid who's not going to interact with it at all. And then you've got two Force-sensitive-ish people who could be not Force-sensitive. That's the other, That's the thing. Like They could just be two blokes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who, who, who worship. Who, who, they're, they're religious, right? They're, they're, and it, it actually, it leans into that line in A New Hope. You know, you're sad adherence to that ancient religion because here we see two people who practicing that religion without necessarily receiving any of its benefits yeah 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 see that's why i like rogue one for much to me because it, it's just some guys some guys who are yeah. like oh yeah we need to do this because there is a lot at stake and they will do it even though they know they're hopelessly outclassed and outgunned Whereas if if you were to if you were to try and make that kind of story when the Jedi are in full power, you, you send in one guy. You just you just, just send, does it. You just to do that. If that was set in the prequels, you'd just send Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, and it would be done in five minutes. You know. <laughs> yeah, and he'd have killed everyone on that 
pleasure planet, paradise planet, whatever it's called. Yeah, like it, 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 yeah. So, so perhaps the Jedi and the Sith are the problem that we have with the Star Wars films. I don't think I do though, because like, I I like watching lightsaber fights. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem is, or part of the problem is that we can't decide what they are. Are they warrior? mystics like Ben Kenobi appears to be are they an organised military force like the Jedi are in clones and uh, Sith are they a political force like they are in um, Phantom Menace are they I don't know what the hell they're trying to be in the sequels like Trying to work out where they fit in the world is so difficult. But see, but I think that's exactly it. And I think perhaps the issue is with us and not the films then. Like, we just, we just, just have to the take films. them at face value. Just watch the films. Who, who, who the fuck should care what a Jedi is? Who then should stop care shoving them in is? my face. Yeah, no, hurt- yeah quite. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, but. Sorry, yeah, I know. <laughs> But yeah, see, this is why this is such a weird topic, right? Like they're so they don't they don't stand up to any kind of scrutiny, but they're great. Yeah, and maybe that's a hot take. <laughs> a good film doesn't need to be good. Maybe, maybe that maybe that's the answer. Maybe that maybe there's a difference between. A film that's going to win best act, best picture at the Oscars, and a film that I actually want to sit down and watch on a Saturday evening. Well, that that I think is undeniable. I I often find a lot of the ones that are nominated for best picture at the Oscars are just we talk about taking themselves too seriously, you know. That's, yeah, that's that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, sure. The right time, the right place. I'm all about it, but no, I, I know that if I sit down to watch Star Wars, I can be in, in more or less any kind of mood, and I will enjoy those films. I think that's true. I, I completely agree with that. I think we're going to have to wrap up for no other reason than I can hear loads of sirens. And I yes, suspect they're I was coming through the microphone. Um, I can't really tell, but I'm going to go and find out and make sure that the street isn't burning down or something. Uh, but I think we've got to a conclusion there anyway. So the, the the core takeaway is they're bad because they don't stand up to scrutiny. And if you analyze them like we want to, because that's the sort of people who like films like Star Wars, they they struggle. So don't do that. Just watch them. Just watch them. Enjoy them for what they are and don't pretend they're any more than they are. Yeah. I I I... <laughs> in, in what may actually be an expertise is overrated first 100% agree with everything you said great in a hot take episode no less well that's we're really a, losing amazing. our touch aren't we we broke we broke hot takes we broke hot takes maybe oh, well. maybe we're we're taking ourselves too seriously as well maybe we are maybe we need to do something silly maybe this we doesn't do. sound likely um <laughs> we just need to start saying stupid things again. We're just way too smart. I think that's probably it. We've, we've. Well, I don't think we're taking ourselves too seriously. I think the problem is that we've cracked podcasting. We've sort of hit hit this higher level of awareness where everything we say is just you know axiomatically true. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. We are fantastic. Podcasting is easy. Mm. And I'm just really glad that probably no one's listening anymore at this rate. Yeah. We've... <laughs> <laughs> um, great. So I think all that remains is, as ever, to say thanks for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. No doubt, we've said some things that are either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know, rate the podcast, and leave us a comment, or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at Zero Expertise. 
check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com, or come join us on our Discord server. Now, if you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes, and if you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. Um, We will be back in two weeks' time, when, in the run-up to the Rings of Power adaptation of the appendices to The Lord of the Rings, we wonder what it is that makes some adaptations succeed and some fail. Join us then for more nonsense.